On this episode, we discuss Little Italy. Good thing I watched this movie. I almost forgot about it. (laughs) 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 Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey guys, I'm Stuart Wellington. And hey, it's Elliot Kalen. I was going to be real big, and then Stuart came in kind of quiet and contemplative, kind, and kind of mm-hmm. low. That's kind of low. Improv. You're matching his energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got. I'm. They call me the energy matcher. Uh huh. Is mm-hmm. that is that the improv character we're going to start doing a scene <laughs> around? Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy who matches whatever energy he's around. But uh oh, that means. If you lock him in a do- in a room with like, I don't know, Josh Gad, he is going to be off the walls. But then, oh no! You put him in a room with uh, who's real low energy, like Billy Eilish. Yeah, Stephen Wright. You put him. You put him. Stephen Wright and Billy Eilish. They're finally collaborating. Yeah. Um, so hey guys, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it, uh-huh. and uh, and uh, we did a contest a while back. We yep. did a contest. To the winners. Yep, that's uh-huh. the right not? verb. We did a contest. Uh, and, uh... So, Dan, yeah. did we enter the contest? No, okay, we held the contest. Oh, okay. <laughs> for designers to design new merch for us. It would be, it was a, it was a contest, uh, just to put it into context for the listeners. Contest, uh, context. It's, it's a similar, similar to, like, if you were to go to, say, uh, an Italian uh, cultural festival. Of and there course. was a contest as to who makes the best pizza. We did something like that, but instead of pizza, it was about <laughs> uh, podcast-related merchandise. Yeah. And, Thank you uh, for that context. It was very useful. Mm-hmm. And the prize, the prize for yeah. the contest was you get to pick the movie we're going to watch and talk about. Mm-hmm. Let me explain the part of the contest that is most applicable to the information we need uh-huh. to provide to the listener. Dan? Dan's just deleting emails right now. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm trying to find. Uh, so the I'm the guy who selected this movie uh-huh. uh, gave us a little information about um, you know how to. And Dan, I to, assume as a podcasting professional, you have that queued up ahead of time. I do. I, well, I did have it queued up, but then he uh-huh. has a. Unusual last name that I did ask him how to pronounce, and I was trying to find the the, the email where he explained that. But okay. uh, I have it. Uh, his name is Scott Yakashin, mm-hmm. and uh, he picked a movie called Little Italy. Little Italy. Mm-hmm. Or as my, as my grandmother would pronounce it, Little Italy. I'm over-pronouncing it because, as Audrey pointed out, not since the rural juror has a, has a movie name <laughs> been yeah. hard to pronounce if you kind of do it. Quickly, so mm-hmm. uh, although everyone in the movie pronounces it, yeah, they, they do like sort of a little Italy. So yes, I mean the there's, uh, like, there's a there's a wide variety of Italian accents. In this yes, movie. <laughs> from Ooh, boy. real to comically <laughs> overdone. Yeah, and and but, to comically underdone. Like yeah. this is we'll talk about it, but this is maybe the, considering it's a movie about little Italy with it two families that own pizzerias uh-huh two families the, it's united like, in pizza <laughs> equal in esteem it's maybe the least italian movie i've ever seen like the well, irishman felt more italian than this movie i mean not every italian person has like a comic opera accent 
Elliot. It's called uh, Little Italy. They own I mean, pizza places. Come on. <laughs> I mean, no, no matter what Andrea you. Martin will have you believe, they don't all. They aren't like. <laughs> well, no. Oh, hey, man. it's a me. And Andrea yeah. Martin, man, what a treasure. <laughs> I mean, she's great. She's vastly overplaying this role, but we'll... <laughs> I, I, I think I see. I would say the opposite. I think partly because it makes sense that this is the this is the Little Italy of Toronto, uh, which is probably a little bit less over the top than the Little Italy I'm used to, which is the tri-state area of the United States, Little Italy, you know, mm-hmm. downtown Manhattan or New Jersey, where everyone is trying to outdo themselves and how crazily cartoonish they can sound mm-hmm. in real life. Uh, yes, but let's, I want to read what Scott had to say about this movie. He said, how do you do, floppers? I first came across this movie when me and my partner were holed up in a hotel one frigid Chicago night. Scrolling through the still-in-theater section... We were baffled to find Little Italy, a film that we were both fairly certain was not still in theaters, <laughs> nor had it ever been in any theater. Was the television receiving broadcast from another dimension? One where Hayden Christensen had jet black hair? We decided to shell out the sensible 1895, I don't know about that, and quickly Whoa. discovered that the movie <laughs> did come from an alternate universe of sorts, a world of ketchup potato chips and public health care known as Canada. Ah, mm-hmm. Yep. As we watched, I realized that this brand of tomato sauce flecked with maple syrup cinema would be perfect fodder for three Frank D'Angelo devotees such as yourselves. Mm-hmm. Although, as far as I know, the Sicilian vampire fails to make a cameo appearance. I sure hope you guys enjoy this movie from the great right north, or at the very least, I hope it provides an opportunity for Elliot to make a that's a more eh? pun <laughs> at some point in the podcast. And I did want to say, I forgot to mention the particular piece of merch that Scott Yakison did for us. It's uh, the poster of us all, sort of Big Daddy Roth style, watching a movie oh, on a couch. Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, well, uh, this uh, I'm just going to get this started right away, guys. Uh, this contest has yielded some delicious fruits like <laughs> tomatoes. Uh, so we are going to jump directly into Little Italy. And you know... Just right off the bat, guys, I love it when a movie opens with the like central theme of what the movie's about. It's like in, uh, what is that, Five Million Miles to Graceland, the movie about battling Elvises. Yeah, Five where... Million Miles to Graceland. It takes place on <laughs> Venus. <laughs> where, the, where the movie opens with... It's with... about aliens who love Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> where the emir is I mean, coming to earth he, I mean, he loves elvis i mean venusians aren't necessarily aliens if they're on venus but we'll get to that later <laughs> the so but that movie opens with you know it's a movie about two battling elvises so the movie opens with two cgi scorpions battling in the desert and i feel like this movie opens this movie opens with a eggplant and a tomato exploding on, in an Italian man's face, which kind of shows how like two great Italian flavors are more delicious when put together. Mm. And now, do you think the eggplant, as with emojis, represents the male penis and the tomato represents the female genitalia? Certainly. That is, it is uh, just an introduction to exactly how horny this movie is, which is <laughs> off the charts. Very. Oh, uh, before we get into the plot, you're like, actually... how, how many rontgens of horniness does this movie have? Well, the meter says three point five or whatever. <laughs> the but meter... That's as high as the meter goes. The meter only goes that high. Uh, it's gonna take. You're gonna have to get an, uh, an, a West German robot to try to defuse this the horniness yeah. in this nope. one. The the horniness killed the robot already. <laughs> oh no! Uh, so I want to mention this movie comes from the uh, Petri or Petri. Uh, 
Canadian American filmmaking dynasty. Uh, <laughs> and it wait, is what? it is a it is a petri dish of various flavors. <laughs> yeah, it's a, no, you don't shouldn't eat out of a petri dish, Stuart. It's not <laughs> it's not a cooking what utensil. If it's penicillin. <laughs> don't eat the pen. You don't eat penicillin just out of a dish. Like oh no. <laughs> Oh boy! Why? Uh, uh, I don't have because uh, what? It used a spoon, a fork. No, yeah. So penicillin was discovered when uh, Doctor Jonas Salk uh, saw some d- yummy-looking mold in his petri dish and just scooped it up with his bare claws and just shoveled it into his mouth. And he said, "Oh, I don't have polio anymore." So okay, uh, and this was directed by Donald Petrie, who also directed Mystic Pizza and Grumpy Old Men. And in my research, I found mm-hmm. his Mystic dad. Geniality. Was a- what? I think also miscongeniality. Yeah, miscongeniality. His dad directed A Raisin in the Sun and Ford Apache the Bronx. His brother, that's his Mm -hmm. dad, Daniel Petrie. His brother, Daniel Petrie Jr., wrote Beverly Hills Cop and Turner and Hooch. His mother, Dorothea Petrie, was a film producer. And his sister, Mary Petrie, is an actress, and she was in The Hidden. And his other sister, June Petrie, is a movie producer. So this is a major movie family dynasty that I had never heard of, even though they apparently received an AFI award for being a family that makes movies all of them. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, that's some excellent background, Elliot. So the movie opens on two, on two little kids just <laughs> hanging out, being best friends. Now, We're introduced to Leo and Nikki. Yes, Dan. I want to. I know I'm jumping in here, but I just want to say these two little kids will grow up to be Emma Roberts and Hayden Christensen. Uh huh. Yep. Hayden Christensen, who is a full decade older than Emma Roberts, but uh-huh. they but appear I mean, to be about the same age at at the time that. Well, I mean, children. that's that's the uh, that's the. That's part of the problem with, uh, you know, like the entertainment industry where they've kind of normalized the idea, Dan, that, you know, these much older men are yeah, but that's, roughly <laughs> the same age as younger that, women. That is, so that, that when you bump into like 20-year-old couples where they're both 20 years old, you're like, who's this little boy? That, <laughs> yes, that is an issue, Man, Stuart, you brought your I, son to the, to the pizzeria? I feel like, <laughs> yes, I feel like while pairing an older man with a younger woman in movies is a very real issue. This is a Thank slightly different that, issue, Dan. which I think is that's trying to make us stand. believe that Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts are the same age. That is a well. It's like it's like watching Hobbs and Shaw, a movie that posits uh, that uh, that you know uh, Jason Statham and the amazing actors whose name has slipped out of my head, uh, who plays his sister, Meryl Streep. Yes, I think it is Meryl Streep, Elliot. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that. Is it Rebecca Ferguson? Or it is not Rebecca okay. Ferguson. Una O'Connor? Nope. Um, <laughs> nope, let's not just go down a list of actress names. <laughs> Betty Davis? I've already made my guess. I already said Meryl Streep. Okay. The, uh, but they, they suggest that these two are uh, are like basically exactly the same age. And I'm like, well, Jason Statham's 50, and IMDb does not list this actress's age, but I'm assuming it's not 50. <laughs> it's uh, Vanessa Kirby, by the yeah, way. She was awesome. also yeah, in super a Mission awesome Impossible movie, which is probably why I was confusing. I think, anyway. Dan, the, the, okay. the bigger issue yeah, for me... Yeah, you get partial credit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The bigger issue... Yeah, when you just said Mission Impossible, as if that was her name. No. <laughs> the, way, the way an old person... You were person not paying t- attention t- to what, what happened. <laughs> I, uh, I think, Dan, the issue for me was less that Hayden Christensen is clearly much older than her, and more the fact that we're supposed to believe the two of them are Italian, which Well, Hayden Christensen, I looked up... He actually has some Italian in his background. Emma yeah. Roberts has none, and it shows. Well, I mean, she is the daughter of Eric Roberts, who was in Pope of Greenwich Village, <laughs> and and at least one yeah, I, Batman movie. I guess he I guess plays true. a lot of Italian people. So, 
And Hayden Christensen, as you can tell from his name, is the son of Jesus Christ, who many Italians worship. So, yeah, yeah I guess. Okay, it checks the, out. I, that just reminded me about how in Batman Begins, Tom Wilkinson has the best Italian accent <laughs> as, a, as a mob boss. Oh, man, that rules. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so, we're introduced to these two kids. Uh, they're best friends. There's also definitely some romantic interest. Nikki clearly has a crush on Leo. And both of their parents, uh, both of their fathers, own a pizzeria, the best pizzeria in all of Little Italy, Toronto, uh, called Pizza Napoli. Um, and one thing, I'm, before we get further into the plot, I just want to say I love how this movie is very unabashedly set in Toronto. Yes. Like there are yeah. Canadian flags everywhere. There's Air Canada product placement. That's great. Um, so flash forward. Nikki is now all grown up. In culinary oh, school in London. Wait. Did I, I, I just, miss wait. a fucking super important point, Ellie? <laughs> yes, you did. The dads are prepping for the big pizza contest. That doesn't fucking matter at it this does, point. We'll get to it, it in a second. Because they're... All right, all right. And also, I would say, Andre Martinez, the grandmother, she tells Nikki, never squeeze the love out of a man's heart. You, you're squeezing those tomatoes. You got, you're squeezing them until there's none left in them, but never squeeze a man's heart that way. Yeah. All right. I'll like, I like the second one, because... Because it's a funny quote, but I have to agree with Stuart that, that there was no reason to backtrack for a the whole movie is about this stupid pizza contest. No, but, later no, on, Elliot was hoping that I would mention the pizza contest, but not mention that there's going to be results, uh, so that people are sitting on the edge of their seat for the rest of my fucking <laughs> yes, plot summary. Thank you, so exactly. I'm trying to build some, like, some suspense like, for the audience. Obviously, they're going to win because they're the best, but there's a whole movie, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so. Uh, Nikki is now in London. Uh, she's working for Jane Seymour, who is this like evil Gordon Ramsay type uh, chef character. And obviously it's Jane Seymour. She's great. Oh, wait. I had a question for you, Dan, in this one. So Nikki says something about, I was actually learning to cook like four Michelin stars cook. I thought Michelin stars only went up to three. Uh, yes, I think that... Was true. I think maybe recently they added another Michelin star. Uh, let me, let me great inflation. I see. Okay. Well, anyway, I just figured you'd know that better than me because you're like Mr. Cook. You're like, hey, I gotta make a pizza pie in my house. Maybe she's showing like a cultural tendency for hyperbole, Elliot. Oh, okay. I believe that. Okay. <laughs> so, and now we introduce like one of the major challenges of the movie. Uh, because Jane Seymour offers, once again, Jane Seymour's playing a character. It's not Jane Seymour, the actress. <laughs> she, she, she offers Nikki the opportunity to compete to write a menu for her brand new hot restaurant. The only problem is she has to get this menu done, and then she has to change her student visa to a work visa. So she's going to have to go back to Toronto for a brief time, only to return to London. So she's going to have to go back and see her family. And, and why is the- that a problem, Elliot? That's a problem because there's some bad blood going, an unfinished business between her family and Leo. Could this and be the related to that her. pizza contest you were so fucking hot for? Uh, yeah, maybe it's entirely about the pizza contest. Uh, no, I'm not, no, but you're right. You're right, Stuart. I, mentioning the exploding eggplant was much more on point I mean, than the pizza contest that is fact. literally the pivotal. Thing in the entire movie. I mean, it's not like we were exploding vegetables. Get to the was goddamn a, pizza. It was a carefully crafted joke <laughs> that I spent the whole time in the cab coming up with, and I was like, "Which angle should I go with?" Also, I confirm that you're correct. That there's still only three Michelin stars you can get. So maybe okay. she's saying like, "I'm gonna be so good, they'll give me a fourth star." But it comes off as it's so casually said that I was like, "Does the movie not know how many stars? They, yeah. Did they not do that amount of research?" 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, now this introduces that the the families are now at war. Their fathers, Vince and Sal, have separated, and they have opened up their own separate pizza parlors. Uh, the, and how do how do they how do they show us visually that the dads are older than they were in the old scenes? Uh, they don't have beards anymore. Is that it? <laughs> That's like, yeah. One of them has shaved his mustache, and I was like, no, no. When you get older, you're supposed to grow a beard. You don't. Yeah, he don't looks I younger. Wait. Yeah, I guess you're right. You do look younger when you don't have facial hair. Unless like unless you're Lance Henriksen. I bet Lance Henriksen, if he grows a beard, you're like, who's this twenty year old stud? Yeah, probably. That's because he covers up all those pumpkin head scars, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how he got him. Yeah. Uh okay, so uh we also were also reintroduced to Leo at this point now played by Hayden Christensen. Uh he's used to playing a character who was earlier introduced as a young boy and is now a grown up man. Uh, and he Hayden Christensen, <laughs> you're <laughs> so we're gonna need to we're gonna need to have a grown up play character who was once a young person once a yeah. kid. Get yeah. me Hayden Christensen. Yeah, we all remember young young shattered glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where he's like he's like a little reporter. Yeah. Uh, he's a boy reporter so, like Tintin. So yeah. does Christensen, Tintin just make stuff up? Is that what Tintin is about? Yeah, <laughs> that's why, all, like that's why all those old Tintin com- comics were kind of racist because Tintin himself was kind of racist. That's the sad part. That's the sad thing that they never tell you. Oh, well, that's wow. Okay, so so the real issue out. was not the the making the fantabulizing. It was the it was the racism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> at this point, Leo has been introduced uh, introduces Hayden, played by Hayden Christensen. You're probably wondering. Yes, he does at some points have longer spiky hair, and at other points have shorter. <laughs> Flat hair. I don't know why this is. It could be because he's wearing a scooter helmet because he rides a scooter. So he's a real Casanova. All the ladies love him. We're also introduced to uh, some additional side characters that work in the pizzerias. Uh, Both pizzerias employ a character of Asian descent. And yes, you're wondering. Yes, they're also kind of racist toward those characters. Well, the, the uh, specifically the Indian subcontinent, because there's yeah. another Asian character who's who's of Chinese ethnicity later. And but. and this movie makes some jokes that like even if I feel like if Hank Azaria was watching, he'd be like, "Woof, I'm off the hook now." Yeah. <laughs> well, especially because the the Chinese uh, guy is also gay, and that is shown by him later on harassing Hayden Christensen a yeah. little bit. I mean, they're buddies, so like. Well, Hayden Christensen seems cool with it, but uh, when we it's, I th- it took that as playful joshing. He, I mean, yeah. Hayden Christensen does get harassed by that policewoman later on in a scene I found genuinely very disturbing and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to it. The part where uh, she is where she is openly groping him in front of everybody and describing his penis and stuff like that. Like that's not funny. It was just. It was horrifying, and it went on forever. <laughs> it and it was the thing was, it came right after a scene that was also horrifyingly sexual because this movie is, as I mentioned, horny in scary I, ways. I will say, like, I was like, I wasn't, I was uncomfortable with that scene because if it was a woman, it would be totally unacceptable. It, oh, like yeah. the movie thinks it can get away with it because it's I mean, a woman that, groping Dan, a guy. That scene exists with a woman and a man. It's from Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Like, that's how terrifying it is. But I have to admit that, like, if it was the woman, the actress, I found very funny, even while thinking, like, this should not be. Yeah, I mean, she didn't write the scene, probably. I'm guessing there's a lot of improv in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so the dads, they have two competing pizza places because they broke up for unknown reasons after the pizza contest. And by breaking up, both of them are suffering financially and in some ways with their own, with their familial relationships. We learned that the wives played by Alyssa Milano, who brings 
actually brings a certain gravitas to this uh, movie. I kind of like her performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember the actress who plays uh, Vince's wife, but they're still friends. They're like, yeah, look at us. They're secretly, uh, they're like secretly colluding and like trying to find ways to get their uh, idiot yeah. husbands to make amends. Hiding uh, wine glasses in 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 <laughs> potted plants so they can talk to each other. Love it, love it. That's uh, that looks like that's uh, I believe that's Linda Cash who okay. plays that uh, that role, and she's a a Second City alum. She's been in a bunch of TV shows. Oh wow. And we we also uh, we also and this this is a, another plot line that will develop over the course of the movie. We also learn that the uh, the the grandparents Nono and Nona right that's what they call grandparents Nona yes. played Nona by Dan- grandma and yep. Nono is grandpa because grandpas <clears throat> love that song that goes no 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 that actually no, explains no. a lot yeah uh, so uh, grandpa is played by Danny Aiello and uh, Nona is final film role is it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. He di- he died after making this movie, and uh, Danny Aiello has never seemed less Italian to me than in this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, because they pair him with and- Andrea Martin, who's like, who's <laughs> Maron, like, oh, but no, my boy, yeah, he's good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, people are like, no, this is actually a stage performance. There's no cameras <laughs> here. Uh, so. And yeah, so they it, it turns out that they're also secretly having an affair that will develop over time. An affair is in like an actual romance. They're not married to anyone else. Um No, but but so, Nona did Nona did promise her dead husband she would never marry again, which is a real hurdle to get over. And a shitty thing for I don't know whether the husband demanded it or whether she uh, No, no, I think more that she maybe more that she she vowed. She okay. You know. mm-hmm. Thanks for saying no, no, by the way. Um, <laughs> so we also find out that because of those financial problems, uh, Leo can't just work at, the, at his family's pizzeria. He also works at the bar that he lives above. That's right, Luigi's Bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell us about Luigi. So Luigi is, play, is, a, uh, is a Chinese man uh, who comedically is called Luigi and wears Italians. He has uh, like an affected Italian accent. He wears a lot of chains. I think he has a uh, belt that says Italian on it. Um, and he runs this like fun dive bar. So fun, in fact, that at one point the entire bar just goes outside to play a soccer game and pours shots in each other's mouth with no money being exchanged. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, was, also, that, was that the part, Stuart, where you were watching it and you were going, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like flipping the table over and tearing out my hair. And Charlie's <laughs> like, it's just a movie. And I'm like, it feels so real. Um, so uh, of, uh, Leo goes to work. Nikki arrives, for, uh, arrives from London. She is picked up by her friends. Uh, her friends take her. She's like, I can't see my parents yet. I need a drink. So they all go out to Luigi's bar. That's the local bar. Mm-hmm. And of course, they run into Leo, who is, as we at this point understand, very hot. Every mm-hmm. woman wants him. Every man wants him. He's amazing. Um, He's hotter than a fresh slice of pizza right out of the oven. And they are immediately making super horny flirtation. He pulls a soccer ball out, and you're like, what are they going to do with this soccer ball? Well, the thing is is that Leo and Nikki have this long history of playing soccer. So, of course, you know, they go outside in the rain. They get all super wet, do a bunch of shots. And then we have this romantic scene of Leo kicking soccer balls at Nikki over and over. (laughs) It is pouring outside, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's like a monsoon in Toronto. And... 
I, you know, maybe I would believe that these two flirtatious, like, competitive characters would go out and do this in the pouring rain. But uh-huh. there's a huge crowd out there watching them, too. Many without umbrellas. And I found that crazy. Also, it's clearly AstroTurf, based on the way the water is pooling beneath them. Oh, wow. Wow. Gold gloves. Write that one in. Oh, public park burn from Dan McCoy. So, of course, at this point, you know, they they have this great scene, super romantic. They both get wasted. But, of course, before they can kiss, Nikki passes out drunk in the rain on Leo's lap. Flash forward to the next morning. Flash forward to the next morning. She's dead. He left her there. (laughs) With her mouth open, she drowned. She, uh, (laughs) yeah, on that pool, in a pool of water on AstroTurf. So she wakes up naked in a strange bed. uh, And then, of course, we see that Luigi is pulling on his undershorts. He makes her briefly believe that they had slept together. And then he's like, no, just kidding. And then Leo comes in and does the same thing. And I'm like, what the fuck, dudes? <laughs> like, it's not funny to like to infer that you sexually assaulted somebody. Uh, and then there's a lot of like close talking in this bedroom that also amplifies that like threat of sexual violence. It's really weird to me. Yeah, so uh, that I was kind of put off, so I don't actually remember what happened at this well, point. Well, they're kind of talking to each other about, she she thinks they slept together, and he goes, no, no, you didn't. I just put you to bed in your dress, and I don't know what happened after that. And yeah. she they talk to each other. No, no, as no if, he, I mean, like, he took the clothes off, but only because, like, she was soaking wet from the fucking monsoon. I think I think she no. he said she took them oh, okay. off and yeah then he, he says dried he says them. I put you into bed closed. What happened after that I don't know. Oh, okay. So she probably took them off in the middle of the night. Uh, she but they talk to each other. It's one of those conversations you see in a romantic comedy where it's like we can't be together. We're from two different worlds. Like we just don't have uh-huh. enough in common. And it's like you're yep. from the same world. Like your dads yeah. were in business together. You're both in the same business. Like yeah. come on, yeah. guys. I mean she's, she's going places and he's uh, stuck in uh, stuck in Little Italy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess that's it. But I guess I wish they had said that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as addressed later on in the movie, it's called Little Italy because it never changes. Uh, something I don't quite understand, but I think it's applicable. In this, <laughs> yeah, this it doesn't. Uh, like, I wish it was. It's, it reminded me of the line in the movie uh, Heist when Danny DeVito goes, of course you need money. Everybody needs it. That's why they call it money. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, it sounds like it makes sense. But she's like, that's why they call it Little Italy, because nothing ever changes. It's like, wait, so are you saying little things don't change? Or Italy doesn't change? Because little things often change. They grow into bigger things. Children, small cats, mm-hmm. small elephants. They Hayden change. Christensen. Yeah, Hayden Christensen, exactly. Whereas uh-huh. Italy has also seen a number of changes over its period from the kind of separate disputed states that were the case mm-hmm. for well let's go back all the way to the ancient sure era of Rome yeah. to the to the different uh, occupied states of the 18th and okay. early 19th centuries to the unified Italy that we know today which itself went through the changes of the fascist governments and current democratic governments so uh-huh. i would say to you Emma Roberts aka Nikki Angioli Italy has changed quite a bit and if you're not okay with accepting that then maybe you shouldn't be italian oh you're not italian emma roberts i'm so sorry i apologize mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Little Italy is a little bit like a teenager that transforms into a car and then transforms back into a teenager. And both times you're like, this is kind of sexy. Are you talking about the Wraith? I was talking about Turbo Teen. But, um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, now, so we get some stuff where the two pizzerias are, uh, the, the two owners of pizzerias are playing pranks on each other. And by pranks, I mean, at one point, I guess they had... Uh, called uh, what the uh, they they'd like 
they called the IRS or the Canadian equivalent, claiming the other uh, performed tax evasion. I think it's they called tried the to IR- get so- I think it's called the IRA. Oh, because Canadians uh, say a sometimes yeah, in their sentences. Yeah. I mean, uh, that would be funny, except for it evokes uh, Irish terrorism, Elliot. So, oh, you're right. Wow, Dan, oh, Dan's making a political stand on this podcast. Uh, so we yeah, are... stand against terrorism. Sure. <laughs> wow, that's very brave of you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, do we? Should we take a moment to just think about it? Or no, uh, Dan, uh, Dan okay. I notice you've got a number of different colored ribbons on your jacket. Can you tell us about some of those? The audience can't see them. It's weird that you would wear them for a podcast recording. But just tell us what they stand for uh i just like ribbons but <laughs> I, I, I like looking like a present mm-hmm. or like an <laughs> ultimate warrior yeah. i uh, mean well, isn't, isn't that the ultimate present <laughs> the ultimate warrior yeah uh, but, oh, but what's this current prank which the current prank is that sal has uh sal has switched out he has spiked vince's oregano stash with a different kind of stash entirely that's right he swaps out the oregano with marijuana a thing that looks very similar but smells fairly different well and also this movie was clearly made by someone who has never smoked or eaten marijuana because the reaction is like people are dancing on tables and going nuts and getting super horny yeah a drug this this old well, lady is dancing on a table, and she's super turned on by the waiter. I, I, I and then she drags I, Joji up on this on the mm-hmm. table, and he is also horny. But I think he was Elliot. horny before. I don't think he had any oh, pizza God. at all. Elliot, well, I no, know you. As, don't... A, oh as, God, let me say a thing. Okay, <laughs> sorry, Dan. Me, Stuart, and I are having a conversation here, but I know you need to say your thing. So well, go you goddamn people <laughs> cover me up all the time. <laughs> Jesus. Elliot, I know up that a sauce with some delicious mozzarella. I know that you do not partake of the marijuana but it it will often make you a little horny what it will not do is make you want to dance it is well known for making you want to lie on the couch that's, and watch that's television I'm used to. when i'm around people and they're smoking marijuana usually they fall asleep yes so or they or they start talking about nonsense that i don't need to know about and i get out yeah. of there and i go save it for your podcast buddy and then they have a podcast called dan in high life and it's mm-hmm. where dan just gets high and talks about whatever yeah so uh, oh, that actually so, sounds pretty good. Why didn't you? Actually, why I didn't know. you do that? Like, you should do that ten years ago. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, now, I, I need a I need a more regular supplier of weed to oh, do a whole yeah, podcast. But. All right, I'll get it for you. So in uh, so in researching this movie, I noticed that on the IMDb trivia, they mentioned that even this is so that we know the movie is not out of date. Even though marijuana use was legalized in Canada ten mm-hmm. months after this movie was released, you would still need to buy that pot infused pizza. From a government store, so the oh, okay. scene still works. Everybody, yeah. Don't, I mean, I don't I write also into don't... the makers of Little Italy and say this it's out of date and it dates the movie. It still works. I mean, I assumed if it was even if it was legal, you can't spike somebody's stuff with a drug, it's, right? It's still illegal to give drugs to somebody without their knowledge. Yes, yeah. no matter how legal a drug is, I think that's always illegal. Okay, uh, but... so we're we're also introduced to there's a slight. This really isn't a complication. I just want to bring attention to a new character, Lisa, the flight attendant who shows up mainly to make it seem like Emma Roberts is not attractive, uh, as she is a paramour of, uh, of Leo's. Um, but obviously she doesn't matter to him. Um, and she and never just appears once again, again. Yeah, she never appears again. This is exclusively to uh, restate that Leo is hot and also to suggest that Airplanes may play a part later on in the movie, but we'll get to that. <laughs> now, uh, and so I don't want to—I don't want to gloss over the scene that we mentioned before. After the the pizza is, is spiked, is where we get the moment where a lady cop is is basically groping Leo 
uh, mm-hmm. to she's searching his body for I don't know a weapon I don't understand and she's just grabbing yeah. him everywhere and commenting on it and again the purpose of this is to remind the audience that Leo is supposed to be some hunk of man mm-hmm. uh-huh. but, and it's uh, it's gross and super uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it's it's really good she's literally like squeezing his butt and talking about how hard it is to everybody mm-hmm. it's this crowd of people that are watching and I was like this is like something out of like the 120 days of Sodom <laughs> so it's so horrifying to me that that the amount of powerlessness that he has in that moment and that he's on display while it's happening it's like uh, like it, it made it made me think that this was like a uh, you know the movie White Man's Burden where they're like what if white people were like black people it was like this is out of some movie where they're like what if men were treated the way men treat women I think it would go like this it just it feels wrong in this movie I guess is what I'm saying mm-hmm. um, but yeah so it uh, but I think it also like it's another moment where the just general feeling of horniness bullet like kind of bleeds into the like the main narrative here. I mean, Toronto has it has one horniest city in Canada for I think 70 <laughs> years running. Oh. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, but I think uh I think uh, what is it? Uh, Montreal is uh, got to be the horniest. Well, yeah. but Montreal doesn't consider itself Canadian. Let's not stick our, our feet in that landmine, okay? okay. Dan? Although <laughs> The place where corner gas happens is pretty horny. But, oh man, guys, you know what? I think Canada might be having sex. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow! Canadians, write in. Tell us, are you? <laughs> are you um, doing it? This is uh, just right in. I think you guys care, are opening care. a can of worms you do not want. <laughs> just right, right to the flophouse care of real life Mountie, and, <laughs> and just tell us, are you doing it, Canada? We want to know. Um, so yeah, we get some more comedic scenes. We get a scene where uh, the two fathers, Sal and Vince, uh, continue their tradition of having this like kind of celebrity roast battle where they go to Luigi's and make fun of each other until one of them gets mad and stands up. Uh, we have a scene where uh, Nono and Nona are sneaking around and have to meet up at a Starbucks because nobody will see them there. And then they both have, what, like a macchiato or whatever for the first time, and they become addicts. It's such a weird moment where they're both kind of orgasming over how good they like, think, think the coffee at Starbucks is. It was the, a strange moment in the movie. And, yeah. then, and then there's like a garden party where that's held, uh, where like Nikki's friend is hosting, and they're trying to continue. Uh, Nikki's mother, played once again by uh, by uh, Alyssa Milano, who's great, uh, is trying to set Nikki up with a husband. Because here's the thing: Nikki knows that she is not planning on staying in Toronto. She's just there to get her her work visa, and then she's going back to London. I'm not going to say that she is as big of a coward as the boyfriend in Midsummer. But I feel like if she had just come out and told these people that she is worried about making feel bad, we wouldn't have all these problems, right, guys? Uh, wait, making who feel bad? Her parents. She doesn't oh. want to tell her parents, and theoretically, Leo. Yeah. But, you know, we all come to those moments where we want to spare people the heartbreak, but in turn, we're just kind of like, we're behaving cowardly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have we gotten to the point yet where they hang out and eat pizza? We're about to no, go there. That's I just up. want that's, I want to briefly after... mention the the fellow Mark Anthony that they tried to set her up with, who uh, visibly grabs his crotch and then starts sniffing her cast off uh, high heeled shoe. Yeah, and he's also a mortician. Oh and, yeah, and so and uh, in the, the this movie of finally we've had a Flophouse movie that had bloops during the credits, but in the bloops they have him talking. and He goes, you know, they're not just bodies; they're kind of my friends, friends with benefits, you know. And it's like they did not need to make this character as 
un- as un- undateable as possible. Like, it's like they went, there are certain points in the movie where they're like, let's go way overboard and have a character that is so cartoony he becomes sinister. I, th- I did laugh at that bloop, though. <laughs> do, okay. you think that, do you think that they like had a, a collection of scenes, almost a triptych of scenes, of her meeting three different guys that all had a, had a fetish or a thing that she was not interested in, and they're like, too much time. Combine them all into one guy who grabs his crotch, <laughs> has a foot fetish, and yeah. also it probably has uh, is necrophilia. Recast um, the scene. Just get one dude. Have him do it all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they probably saw the actor and they're like, he is the entire package. Yeah, I want to make it clear. Like, if you have a foot fetish, great. Just don't but that's smell someone's cast off shoe without their consent. Just, without the, if, just ask someone's permission before you smell their shoe. That's totally, yeah. it's okay. In know? no way am I passing judgment on a foot fetish. I feel like the movie is passing judgment no, on it. The um, movie yeah. is so, implying that this, I mean, we shouldn't pass judgment on morticians either. Like, it's a necessary <laughs> part of, you got to do something with dead bodies. I don't think that's what we're, we're passing <laughs> judgment on. No, well, I think, I think that they're deliberately making his job unappealing to her. Yes, the movie, the, it's not like the movie, it's not like when she hears the mortician, she's like, okay, cool. Like, she's turned off by that also. Oh, I, I guess I'm I'm assuming that the bloop is part of the canon that he, oh, yeah, has, that he has friendly uh, benefits okay. with the bodies. That's what I'm assuming. Now, yeah. um, now, as we know... It's not canon, I guess, <laughs> my mistake. It's not it's in true. the film. Anything that happens during or after the closing credits is just apocryphal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and you know, like the Gnostic Gospels. <laughs> the Gnostic Little Italy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, mean, just because Hayden Christensen's involved doesn't mean that there's some kind of extended universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Leo and Nikki, their fathers are feuding, two different restaurants. They they had an argument. They come from different worlds. Uh-huh. What are you going to do? Get together for a romantic pizza-making dinner, right? Yeah. And, man, I love this. Uh, I love this date. You know, they're going to cook dinner together. She starts eating, and she's like, oh, this is so great. And he's like... He's like, don't fill up on the appetizers. And I'm like, what the fuck? Why wouldn't he call it antipasti or whatever the fuck? Like, who calls it appetizers? I want to say, too, he has a... Once uh, again, I threw the table over. I had already <laughs> righted yeah. it previously. Yeah. He you, has, just went, you just went marron, ah, and started biting your knuckles. You're so mad. He has a, a pizza oven in his apartment. His apartment. With, with a big open fire, man. which I do not think is a thing that people have in their apartments. It's and probably not... It's probably not uh, officially a zoning approved thing to yeah. have an open pizza oven in your second or third floor apartment. Yeah. Yeah, and he is uh, more interested in uh, you know fancier pizza pies than uh-huh. the very traditional pizzas being sold by his father. Mm-hmm. And he puts figs it's on another, the pizza, it's and another her conflict. mind is fucking blown by this in a way well, that like well, no, anybody she, who's like a professional chef should not be like, wow, figs on a pizza. No, no, but Dan, yeah. she tells him to put figs on the pizza. No, she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I was too busy. Thing. The thing is, guys, I can't decide because the whole time I was wondering, are they going to fuck on this pizza? <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, you and I are going to have to go back and rewatch the movie. He's talking right, about the, the crust. Thing. He has a specific way he does the crust. And she says, put the figs on the pizza. That'll cut through the cheese. And so we're seeing that they are combining their oh, talents okay. and that they make the perfect pie. But you're right. He does have a rooftop garden of organic ingredients, and he dreams mm-hmm. of opening his organic pizza place. Which, oh. by the way, that rooftop garden has... Uh, upwards of 16 or 17 like lamps on it, but they're like house lamps. They're like table <laughs> lamps with lampshades and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a very like sitcom set. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't know whether he like set those up because she he knew she was going to come up there. I don't know. Audrey was very much like, what if it rains? What's going on? Why is mm-hmm. it lamp? Damn, and it, it, as it we've rains. already Wait a minute. Soccer <laughs> in the rain. Oh, no. <laughs> 
yeah, so the the date goes the date goes pretty well at one point. Somebody says you're speaking my language, and then they do some sexy Italian dancing, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then Nikki abruptly leaves. She says, "I need to leave, or else I'll stay." Uh, and he doesn't quite realize that she's you know that that is uh, she's talking about an issue larger than just that night. Meanwhile, uh, Grandpa uh, is faced with the prospect of not. Uh, not getting to actually sleep with Nona. So she says, you got to put a ring on it. Uh, I think she even says like Beyonce. Yeah, they and mentioned so, Beyonce course, a couple times in the movie and with diminishing returns each time. Oh, no, no, I disagree. I, I love the last time when Andrew Martin goes, I'm a Beyonce. <laughs> uh, so, of course, uh, he proposes because, you know, what else is he going to do, right? Like... He doesn't have that much going on. Come on, what's he gonna do? Wrap a slice of pizza around his dick? No, he wants he wants her. Whoa! I guess I That's guess it is a binary it. choice, Elliot. It's true. If you're not married, you gotta wrap some pizza around. Your dick. I'm just saying he doesn't have a lot of options. I've been okay. doing it for years. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so at this point, like you know, uh, our two characters kind of go off and speak with their uh, parents and grandparents to get a little bit of knowledge. Uh, grandpa's talking to Leo and he imparts some very important bits of wisdom like uh, love is like making a pizza. You learn from your mistakes. You got to be fearless and have fun. And then he also (laughs) follows that with you can take the girl out of little Lily, but you can't take the little Lily out of the girl. (laughs) And a variety of sayings like that. Uh, I wish what, I wish they had then revealed that he was watching a soccer game over Leo's shoulder and not really paying close attention to the conversation. <laughs> uh, he's like, the chances we didn't take, the love we didn't make, that kind of shit. So, of course, hey, Leo, he's like, hey, Leo, he who dies with the most toys still dies, you know? Life's a beach. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, <laughs> so of hey, course, you don't have to be crazy to work at this pizzeria, but it helps. Yep. Uh, so Leo delivers a late night pizza and a message for Nikki to meet, be ready at dawn, where he shows up on a scooter to drive her around. As Charlene put it, they're in Little Italy, not Big Italy. Why are they riding on a scooter? Um, so they sh- they wake up at dawn before everyone else is awake to go to like a street festival. Yeah, an Italian like street but, festival. But like they like... don't live that far from the fe- like they're in Little Italy. No, I don't is this know a different town over? Yeah, but they're also just like tasting a bunch. Of, I, I don't know. Like I, I guess if you like the food that you make, you know, you might have fun going out to a, like a, a food festival. But I also was kind of watching it, being like, I don't know. They got to eat this all the time. Like, why are they like? Gonna <laughs> they're like go finally else? Italian food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, as as I'm as we've experienced, Toronto is a city that has a lot of different culinary options. Mm-hmm. It's not just Italian food. So no. you'd think that they would uh, sample a uh, you know a full cornucopia of different flavors. Um, so, of course, in this montage, there is a moment where they're comparing novelty T-shirts that say mm-hmm. different Italian things. <laughs> That's great. And then they, of course, buy those T-shirts because they're wear wearing them, them later. Instantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They take, yeah I, they're, they're regular shirts they're wearing before. I assume they threw in the gutter, no longer <laughs> needing them. Like, yeah. This shirt isn't Italian enough. <laughs> now, uh, here's the thing, Dan. Just admit, This is done like kind of like a flirty montage with mm-hmm. music, so you don't totally hear all the dialogue. But I have to assume that, as you were saying, they love this cuisine, and they're just like, hey, check out what this guy over here is doing with bread, tomato sauce, and cheese. No, 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 no. you got to come over here and see what this guy is doing with yeah. bread, tomato sauce, and cheese. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I found. You'll never guess the combination. That's right. Tomato sauce, bread, 
We threw some cheese in it. Hey, over here. No, wait, hold on. I got tomato sauce and cheese. Where's the bread? It's right underneath it. They are, they just need to find all the different combinations because that's basically what Italian street fairs yeah. are. Wow. Also, I want to say... Um, Take that, Italian street fairs. <laughs> As I think I've mentioned before, Audrey, while being Filipino, uh, grew up uh, part of her time in an Italian household, uh-huh. and she was very upset. She's like, you don't buy a cannoli that's pre-filled. So that's a little tip for all you. Apparently, don't buy cannoli. Oh, pre-filled. Yeah, I part- mean, I do, because well, I'm not going to fill it. <laughs> well, you don't have to fill it. You, you buy it at a place that will fill it for you. So wait, like I buy the, the shell, and then I wait for the fucking <laughs> the, cannoli the man shell. to ring the bell and drive his cart by. And I'm like, <laughs> cannoli not, man, cannoli man, I run out with the shell. It. I run out with the shell, Dan. And he pulls out his, his nozzle, and he stuffs it right in my shell, and he fills it. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have 17 cents. And he's like, this one is on a me. And I'm like, okay, but why are you speaking like that? And then I run in and I devour my cannoli. Uh, Stuart, you're not buying just the shell when you buy this cannoli. You are paying. No, no, you're the, buying the, the experience. The shell and the filling. <laughs> They're just separate at the beginning. Really? They, they give you the shell and the fill. You put your hand out and they put the shell in one hand. Yeah. They fill your hands with the filling. And yeah. then you got to mush them together. And that's why they call it cannoli because it's like. Oh, cannoli! I got a I got a mess is, on my hands here. Is, is that why they where they got the idea for the what is that the McDLT where they package the <laughs> yes. hot shit separately from oh, the yeah, exactly shit? keeps the hot okay. hot and the cold cold and it just uses thrice the styrofoam of a normal package. <laughs> I guess now here's when in Rome, you know. You reminded me of a line from earlier where they're at that garden party and uh-huh. Alyssa Milano for some reason is give is delivering gum and a cannoli. To the dead, so yes. that he can say the line, leave the gum, take the cannoli. Wop, wop, wah. Godfather. <laughs> that's Stuart what looks. that's from. <laughs> okay. Gobsmacked. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Wait, but you know, what happens? There's so, what happens? There's, they're having so much fun with the novelty t shirts and the food. What happens to? The only option, of course, is to blow up more vegetables on an old man's stoop, uh, <laughs> but they make it up to him by leaving him a nicely appointed basket filled yeah. with Italian treats. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I shouldn't have said Italian. It kind of goes without saying. Everybody kind of knew what was going to happen. So instead, they go back to Leo's place to change shirts, and she's like, make some kind of a comment, and he's like, hey, it's getting harder by the minute, because he, you know, it's talking about his wiener. It's very oh, horny. Okay. And of course, then they, uh, then they they, you know, finally hook up the moment we've been waiting for. Meanwhile, grandma and grandpa have also hooked up and they've also gotten married. No, engaged. Uh, engaged. Oh, engaged. Yeah, sure. So the so this is the moment where you're like, is this what happens when somebody decides to write an entire romantic comedy around a step-sibling porno? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, I did not even think of that. That didn't either, but that makes because the scene between the two of them, where with between Leo and and Nikki, he's like, "Oh, my shirt's all wet. I'll throw it in the dryer." She's like, "Yeah, mine too," and takes her shirt off. And it's like he just doesn't seem to get the message, and it makes more sense if there's a taboo being broken or something. Because she's like, uh, "I'll <clears> take <throat> my pants off too." And he's yeah, like, and "Okay, he's like, all he's right." Like, he's like, a, "A Jedi can't get married," you know. <laughs> Do, now, do, do the grandparents have sex at this point, or is that later? I thought yes. they were, like, rolling around in the bed. Like, they they're might in not a have hotel sex, but I thought they were, like, rolling around in the yeah. bed. No, no. They're well, in Danny, like, Al- Danny Aiello, apparently, at, at his age, is able to get it up twice. Uh, yes, have- they... 
they have just had yeah. sex and then they are initiating the second round when we yeah. leave the scene. And she says to him the immortal line, take off your top this time because like an old man, he wore his shirt the entire time they had sex the first time. <laughs> yeah, his, what, his sports shirt? What is Matt Berry called? <laughs> in, uh, sports <laughs> shirt. <laughs> sports fest or something? Whatever, it's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. So of course, uh, at this point, we need to we need to put a little bit of fire under our characters. Uh, Jane Seymour, once again, like a good a pizza oven. Yep, she uh, she she calls to she FaceTimes Nikki to pressure her. She's like, she realizes she sees that Nikki has uh, like sex hair, and she's like, "Is there a penis more pressing than my menu?" And that's the uh, you know, it's a great line. Uh, Leo shows up and she pushes him away. She's like, "This can't work." She needs, but once again, she doesn't address why it can't work. She just try. She creates a fight. She creates a problem between the two of them. Uh, we also now learn the secret to Nona's sauce. What's that secret, Dan? Uh, you put a couple of anchovies in there, put and a then couple you fish, anchovies. Then you fish there. them out later. I'm not. <clears throat> I don't know why you got to fish them out. Just cut those anchovies real small. They'll pretty much dissolve in the sauce. But uh, okay, but tell Nona how to do it, Dan. She's been doing this sauce for decades. That's true. No, you come in, not even Italian, and tell her how to do it <laughs> well, right. How dare you? How much privilege do you have, Dan? I guess uh, Dan's in. read the Food Lab, Elliot. He knows <laughs> a thing or two. Yeah, I'm Kenji Lopez. All no, I, I, I mean, like maybe she just wants a touch of anchovy flavor, but then just use. You know, one anchovy. Chop it up good. Dan, again. <laughs> wow. This is you're just walking into her culture and telling her how to do it better. Like this yeah, is. Yeah, he's crazy. like, feast of seven fishes. How about just five? <laughs> Who needs so many fishes? You know what? I, d- I spent a week in Italy once, so I guess I'll open an Italian restaurant and put my tr- my swing on things. Come on, this mm-hmm. is the way to do it. And what would you call your Italian restaurant, Dan? Uh... Like Dan Marino's? <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go. It with sounds that. more like a steakhouse in Florida. But <laughs> speaking of bad names for things, uh, I, Hayden Christensen, Leo, uh, talks about his dream of opening a uh, pizzeria with fancy, all natural, organic ingredients, and his name is Pizza Organica. And I gotta say, terrible name. <laughs> it's not. It does not roll off the tongue. It does tell you what they have there, which is pizza with human organs on it. <laughs> <laughs> and harmonicas. And harmonicas. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at this point, uh, at this point, uh, Grandma and Grandpa are trying to finally break the news to their families. Yeah. So they organize a, a, a joint dinner, a surprise they, joint dinner, a I surprise joint dinner. And once again, this is where the horniness bleeds into reality. Where they have decided to go to an, uh, an Indian restaurant they found on Yelp called Korma Sutra sensual Indian cuisine. They, of course, uh, the one family arrives. As they arrive, the other family is also arrivingly arriving seemingly from another entrance. I'm surprised they didn't make some <laughs> kind of like weird backdoor like sex joke. I also mm-hmm. want to say uh, the, the Italian fathers are completely baffled by the idea that you would want to eat another cuisine. <laughs> They're like... <laughs> Indian food? Why are we going here? <laughs> I would love to see it if they're like, oh, naan, I guess is like a pizza crust. Uh, let's see what kind of toppings we put on that. Like they're trying to reverse engineer a pizza out of Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Um, so, of course, uh, they, you know, they're no, both families are a little bit, uh, both fathers, I guess, are irritated by the news. 
uh, and they realize the only the only option at this point is to have another pizza contest. So one of the families will have to move away. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, whoever whoever loses the contest will move away, and the dads won't compete. No, no, no. The heirs to the pizza thrones will compete. Yeah, because right? well, they've been banned from the competition. They've been banned for. Oh, that, oh, I see. I missed that. That the dads yeah. are banned. Um, so of course, uh, Leo and Nikki are going to have to compete, and they get in a fight. Uh, Leo makes some weird jokes. Uh, well, first Nikki says, I'm a chef. I don't do pizza, which is a weird thing to say. Uh, I mean, it's a, it would make sense if she said it in 1953. Yeah. And then, and then Leo, of course, is like, you did pizza last night. And we're like, whoa, dude. No, no. no. He's like, she's talking about how he's like, I always let you win at everything. And she goes, no, you didn't let me win. I let you, I, I let you win or something. And she's like, oh, like you let me win last night. And they all go, oh. Yep. And she slaps his face and we're like, yeah, he deserved that. That was a although, pretty shitty thing to say. Especially then, in front of her family. Although I wish they had done it your way where he goes, we made pizza last night. <laughs> we made some delicious made pizza. Sweet pizza. <laughs> you, had, you, had a bit, you had a heaping helping of hot sausage pizza last night. Night. Oh wow! Oh boy! <clears throat> Damn! So, I'm sorry. The movie is getting into me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, the only option is for us to have a pizza contest at the uh, at the festival. The festival. I don't know if you've ever been to like the 18th Avenue Feast or the Feast of San Gennaro. It's like that. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a there's a princess. There's a there's a girl who's wants to go to the festival, right, Dan? She sings a song about how she mm-hmm. she wants to go to the festival, so she has to go into the woods. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Paul. That's, I can't remember the rest. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the, the hosts are these two uh, garishly dressed uh, characters in uh, blindingly colored suits. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also some bikini-clad men and women who are going to be announced as, like, what, Mr. and Mrs. Italian Festival? <laughs> um, I guess Mr. and Mrs. Italian Italy Bikini. And this is after uh, Luigi has revealed to Leo, I know I'm not Italian, but when I was thrown out of my house by my dad for being gay, the Italians accepted me, which raises even more questions about, uh, I guess Toronto Italians are a lot more open-minded than uh, the New Jersey Italians I grew up around. But then we know he's gay because he is leering at the Mr. Bikini like they just keep cutting to him going, like whenever they show the <laughs> yeah, yeah, his eyeballs are popping out. Uh, he's wearing sunglasses and they shatter. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah. So before this, you know, they both our care, both our leads have their you know their moments where they like talk to Nona. And Nona's like, oh, being with a man is so great. Uh, and so they they're competing. Uh, they manage to make it to the final round. It's our it's our two hero pizzas battling each other. And there's a moment where Nikki clearly has the opportunity and the motive, so she swaps <laughs> sauces so that Leo makes his pizza with his family's dough and her famous sauce. And and I got to say, like before this happened, I was joking. Like they were like walking up with the pizzas, and I was joking about like, oh, it'd be hilarious if like it was like Reese's uh, Pieces commercial, and they like. Uh-huh. Bumped into each other and got like their pizza all over each other's pizza, uh-huh. which came, made the perfect pizza. And that's kind of what happens in the movie. It's kind of what happens in the movie. I mean, it's so a they, little then, more deliberate than that, but yeah. <laughs> so they make their pizzas and throw them directly into uh, ovens that are clearly not on. <laughs> like there is no lights. There's no way these these pizza ovens are working. Uh, I mean, it's tough. Who brings a giant pizza oven out into the street? Um, I mean, for a street festival, all the time. Oh. Uh, I guess I guess you're right. I just thought the food magically appeared, or like, <laughs> or maybe like a dragon breathed fire on them. 
Uh, but I'm I mean, thinking that's the probably way they do it. That's the way they do Renaissance it Italy, festivals. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, uh, Leo wins the contest. And even before he can accept his trophy, uh, Nikki has already jumped in a cab to head to the airport. <laughs> she has her luggage right next to the stage. <laughs> I would be so fucking stressed out if I'm like, yeah, so let's time this out. I'm going to pack my bags, okay? I'm going to compete in a pizza festival. I'm sure that that's going to go exactly on time. It's not going to go long. And then if I, oh, um, even before the festival's done, I'll just, a festival that I guess I'm going to, I, it felt like she hadn't already decided she was going to lose. Like, it felt like she decided she was going to throw the contest at the last moment. So it is weird that she, like, that she, Baked in that extra time, um, so she she just jumps in the. Ca- she's Speaking, already wait leaving. on top of that, Stuart. We have never seen her putting together her menu to submit, right? So is she just gonna cram it on the plane on the way over. That's crazy. Yeah, she's just gonna sit in uh, in her seat on the plane and look around the plane and think of things. <laughs> <laughs> she's like plane, plane, plane pizza. Write it down. <laughs> she's uh, Jane Seymour's looking at the menu. And she's like, uh, "There's so many different dishes that are based around small packages of nuts. Uh, is that that's the theme you're going for? These sort of ginger cookies. Uh. <laughs> There's a lot of biscotti based <laughs> dishes here." Or not Biscotti, Biscoff. Sorry, I said Biscoff. <laughs> so, of course, uh, so, of course, we rush to the airport. Leo wants to try and win Nikki, Nikki back. <laughs> wait, uh, hold on. Wait, guys, I want to see that movie so badly now where she is, she's just raided the snack basket on the plane and is mixing it. She's like, uh, I got to figure out how to do, how to do a, a, a fancy casual meal up, uh, 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 out of popcorners and Cheez-Its. Hold on, how do I do this? Uh, how do I work these Terra chips into it? <laughs> uh... She's like flotation device, <laughs> flotation, <laughs> pillowy, gnocchi, gnocchi. She's like for um, the first so- for the first course, uh, it is a single Terra chip floating in a plastic cup of Pepsi Cola. <laughs> <laughs> now the the salt in the chip really brings out the. <laughs> Sugar in the, in the in the soda. Yep. It's a combination of salty and sweet. Yep. And Jane Seymour's like, "All right, I'll I'll mm-hmm. see how far this goes. What's the next course? Okay, like, next I've course. I've got I've got time to kill. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now next uh, we have uh, this is a uh, this is a it's a it's a baked item. It's made of a crust of mashed cheese it and <laughs> and Biscoff cookie, and it's served on a. On an in-flight magazine? All right, okay. This is, these are some deconstructed pretzels in a barf bag. You, okay, these are deconstructed just because you crumpled them? Yes, that's uh, that's what I mean. Um, so, go on, Stuart. Oh, uh, uh, okay, so at the airport. this is uh, this so is. So, Leo dude. realizes, oh, oh, uh, this the contest was fixed. Yeah, so wait, wait, no, we're still doing this bit. So, like, this is a duo of little salamis because I paid extra for the snack bag, right? Where, like, one of them is on, one of them's cooked and Mm -hmm. one's not cooked. That's how it's a duo, (laughs) right? Here's some hummus on them. Okay, so I'm playing too. It's a a duo of dry salami slices (laughs) and a tiny packet of, like, liquidy cheese, but not fully liquid cheese. Mm. All right, okay. <clears throat> okay, so technically we all contributed to that bit. So, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I get yeah. partial credit. So right, yeah, when so you guys it, sell it for a million dollars, yeah, Stuart, now you own a part of it. The ASCAP will, will cool. register that. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Okay, so yeah, they they rush to the airport. Uh, 
she Nikki is going through the security line and she is behaving like a person who has never fucking flown in her life because she's like, oh, I can't take my keys. Okay, I guess I'll go back through. What? My watch? I guess my watch is too medley. Oh, bracelets? Bracelets is different than a watch? Okay, I'll go back. She, uh, she has a, she has a medal around her neck that her Nona gave her. That's I forget what saint it is, but it's a saint that looks over wayward children. And she's looking at it like, I have to take this off too. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, dude. I don't, like, of yep. course you do. Like, yeah, how did yeah, you yeah. get here from London? I don't understand. You stole away in a pet carrier. <laughs> yeah, like, like she, what happened? Like she's a ghost that's trapped. Her spirit is trapped inside an amulet, and she's like, if I remove <laughs> this, my body will turn into a husk. <laughs> that's on you. My head will fall off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love that joke. But that oh, buys, okay. but that buys time for who to get to the airport. Yeah, I think she kind of did it on purpose, right? She was yeah. like, "I think, I think the way this is going, I got to give him a well, little bit of time because he's riding a fucking scooter to the airport." <laughs> if it's anything like what happens to me, she did it because I was right behind her with my wife and two children, one of whom is a crying uh-huh. baby, and the other whom is a kid is a boy who does not want to let go of his scooter, even though yeah. I have to disassemble it to put it through the machine, uh-huh. and he's just telling me how hungry he is, and she is taking up as much time as possible to keep me in that situation as long as she possibly yeah, can. Yeah. So I can't get to the other side where I can get my shit together and like get food for uh-huh. my children because that's yeah, what yeah. happens every yeah. time I yeah, go to the airport. Cause famously the bad travelers are not the people traveling with a bunch of kids. Uh, famously burn, people are excited burn, to see burn, them. Burn, burn, burn. <laughs> from okay, my point so... of view, from my point of view, this is a real Rashomon we got yeah, here, Stuart. Yeah. From my point of view, it's the Jedi that are evil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's, so, I like the, I like the pleasing mellifluous sound of a child's child's shrill scream inside of a confined space with bad air pressure. Sure. Uh, so of course, uh, you know, Leo gets there in time. He runs up some stairs that are placed kind of interestingly. It's weird that they would have stairs that close to the security line because uh, I feel like people could like like jump over them and get through security like parkour style. But whatever. I'm not. It's I don't actually it's actually very similar to the way that LAX is laid out in some of its terminals, which is weird, but, but you're right. Okay. It is, it is weird that there seems to be a staircase that goes to the gates that just goes over the security line. Yeah. yeah. It seems like, why isn't everyone just going over this? Um, maybe that just <laughs> takes them to an Auntie Anne's pretzels or something. They have those in airports, right? Sure. Dan? Why not? Okay. So, uh, I mean, you it's, know, the whole it's, family it's Canada, shows up. So it's probably a Tim Hortons. <clears throat> yep. So the, the whole family shows up. Uh, Leo pours out his heart. Like so much a pizza sauce, and uh, Nikki, you know, Nikki mulls it over. The there is a like so uh, much wine. There's a star making performance from a security guard who says, uh, "Girl, uh, go to London. Don't change your plans for no man." Yeah, she immediately became my favorite character. Yeah, at she that was point. great. I'm like, yeah, man, don't throw away your career just for this. You can figure something out. Like, We're also introduced to another security agent who is uh, is is played by a gay man who keeps taking uh, selfies. Uh, it's only important because he shows up later as Luigi's date at the wedding. Um, yes. So eventually, you know, she makes everyone believe, like, she, she goes through the security line. You're like, oh, she gave up on him. But nope, she had to get her back. She's decided to stay. And uh, everybody's happy, and there's a wedding, and everybody yeah. is coupled off. Yeah, everyone's in, uh, paired off like it's a Shakespeare comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, uh, the dads explain why their feud even happened in the first place. Oh, yeah. It was an argument over which parent to name the pizza parlor over, and both of the parents are like, we don't want a fucking pizza parlor named after us. Come on. Yeah, they, they don't want to be named after pizza, which is, once again, it's all tied in with communication, guys. If Nikki had told everybody that she was only going to be there briefly— 
they could you know they they could have dealt with this but it was you know they wouldn't have all I'm, had to rush to the airport i mean oh, to it, be fair if they they their argument escalated from i want this pizza named after my grandma no i want or after my mom no i want it named after my dad to the point uh-huh. where they were throwing food at each other i think there were bigger issues underlying oh this, yeah this oh argument. yeah also the, fla- it's like the flashback story. to them fighting at the pizza uh contest was pretty funny because it turns into like an old vaudeville like routine like they're like mm-hmm. throwing pizza at each other like sauce at each other dough at each other it's it's uh it's it's pretty funny i'm and also, glad that you specified old vaudeville because if it was more of a new vaudeville <laughs> <laughs> vaudeville is back guys you know it's called tiktok yeah but also uh i want to say too jane seymour comes over and she is t- quite taken with the pizza that they've made together mm-hmm. for the wedding and talks to them about franchising opportunities abroad so everyone's everyone gets what they want Everyone gets what they want. Because apparently Nikki's grandma invited Nikki's old boss to her wedding. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they'd made a connection. Like, she specified that, like, she was her best student. (laughs) I guess, oh, sure, I guess. And also, she's like, so Nikki was in competition with this guy, what, Garth? And, uh, or Gareth? And uh, she's like, ugh. Gareth's food went through reviewers so fast that we had to shut down within weeks. And it's like, guys, come on, this Gareth guy... We barely met him. There's no reason to say that he's like yeah, poisoning mul- people. Like, yeah, don't that, I mean, just, that seems to be also a an issue maybe with like food sanitation and prep more than like his menu. I mean, which would still be on him because he's the executive chef at the restaurant, right? Yeah, or, yeah. Or... He made he made, he made a sauce out of Windex or something. <laughs> uh, so and even the even the even the uh, Indian employees have now paired up and are yeah like, yeah. There's a moment where Joji uh, they uh, are are. Our leads are dancing with their respective, uh, you know, their respective Indian co-workers and then trick them into dancing with each other. And there's a moment where Joji sees Jesse in her sari and he's like, he says, holy cow, which earlier in the movie they'd addressed that uh, he addressed that cows are sacred in India. So that's a, no, a big I deal. But it. like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Go on. And then everyone's happy, and then it's just bloop a palooza, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of bloops. Well, I mean, it's, a lot of this movie seems to have been improvised because they've got a bunch of sort of alternate takes of jokes. And uh, I don't know, I Dan. The that, movie seems pretty tightly crafted. I would say that most of the time they chose the wrong joke to put in the movie because I laughed harder at most of the bloops. Than yeah, I did certainly the, all yeah. of all of Luigi's jokes where yeah. they're making a joke about him touching Hayden Christensen's butt. All of his takes were funnier than the one they put in the movie. Yeah, I kind of feel like this is the kind of movie where, and the, you know, the person who ma- people who made this movie, they've made other movies. They're not newbies. This is not a uh, a a, uh, a Neil Breen scenario. These there are is a there is a stink but, of professionalism on this movie. Yes, but I kind of wonder if there were takes where they were like, "That's hilarious. We'll save that for the bloopers." Like, oh that's, yeah, that's too funny to put in the movie. That should be in the bloopers. Yeah, you want people laughing on the way out of the theater, you know? Mm-hmm. Laughing and maybe hungry because. Did you guys really want pizza afterwards? Because I didn't. Oh, no? I was okay. like, so, maybe I'll never eat a pizza again. Because all I yeah. could think about was how much trouble it causes people emotionally, the people who make the pizzas. Uh, Guys, let's do final judgments, whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like. Stuart, what do you what do you want to say about this? Yeah, I mean, some of the troubling uh, stereotypes aside... Uh, I thought this was kind of a good, bad movie. I had a good time. Uh, it, uh, my wife and I had a great time watching and laughing at it. And uh, But yeah, you know, whatever. It was fun. 
I, you know, I watched this uh, with Audrey, who is a you know a great fan of uh, dumb romantic comedies, and she was on board from the beginning. I kind of thought it was sort of generic and boring for a lot of it. And then, like, I don't know, like the last 30 minutes kind of won me over for some reason. I'm not really sure what changed, whether I just had Stockholm Syndrome or whether the energy picked up. But uh, I don't know. It it exists outside the categories for me. I'd say if you're into this kind of thing, you might have fun watching it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say, yeah, it's a if you want to watch a. It it does feel super generic, but that's kind of what made it a good bad movie for me. Is that there were certain points where I was like, "How generic can a movie feel and yeah. still be a movie that has characters with names?" And this gets pretty close to it. If you want to see a a super good bad movie romantic comedy, I'd recommend Down to You with Freddie Prinze Jr. and Julia Stiles. But if you want to watch one where the joke is like, how much how little movie could they put in a movie? Like how much could it just be the template for a romantic comedy? I'd say go with this one because I think I found that funny about it, where it was like, "What's the hook? Everybody's Italian. Okay, do we need anything else in the movie? Nah, that's pretty much enough. That's okay." Yeah, and there's barely any conflicts. Like they could have made way more of the sort of like Romeo and Juliet feuding families thing, but like everyone in the families except the fathers are totally cool with one another. Well, it's so funny that like even more tur- than that in some cases. Yeah. yeah, it turns out everyone else is fine, but also like. Uh, there are times when uh, they're having a great time, Leo and Nikki, and they really seem meant for each other. And Nikki will just be like, no, no, I have to leave because it's the part of the movie where we're not supposed to be together yet. So yeah. I got to go now. And it's like, oh, okay. I guess she knows she's in a movie and they're not supposed to do it until later. And I feel like the a lot of the supporting cast are at least up for it. You know, yeah. like Andrea Martin, uh, Jane Seymour, you know, all those guys. Alyssa yeah. Milano. Danny Aiello. So we all agree. (laughs) All agree. Good, bad movie. With Dan saying he liked it the most. Yeah. Uh, He says it exists outside. More of a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. Mujan Zulfagari here with the cast of Mission to Zix. Our fourth season premieres on February 19th, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, we decided to ask one of our characters to give you a quick recap of what's happened so far, so say hi, C-53. Hello, I'm going to be of service. See, could you tell us what's happening in the Zix Quadrant leading up to Season 4? Certainly. The evil Nerd Bundleoid, not to be confused with the non-evil Nerd Bundleoid of Narration, murdered his fellow counselors and crowned himself Emperor of the Galaxy. With the help of myself and the rest of the crew of the Bartarian Jade, Zeman Reflectix and are not the Emperor and an ancient cosmic known as Bino, into a chasm aboard the gigantic Planet Crusher Crusher, a machine built to crush planet crushers, which in turn were designed to crush planets. The resulting implosion created a vast celestial object with unknown powers. We are currently in search of our former rebel commander, Sisu Gundu, who may yet reunite our fractured galaxy. Is that sufficient? Yeah, all clear to me. Mission to Zix, Season 4, debuts on February 19th on Maximum Fun. Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Hell to 
the nah, to the nah, nah, nah. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fanti, Maximum Fun, podcast. Ow. Guys, let's uh, take a word, a moment to do a word from our sponsor. Uh, mm-hmm. Our one sponsor this week is yep. Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Uh, Squarespace, you know by now, it's a service that allows you to take your cool idea and turn it into a website. You can blog or publish content, sell products and service services of all kinds, and you know whatever your heart desires. Squarespace will do this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world class designers. With everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, free and secure hosting, and more. Hey, head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, uh, Dan, I had an idea for a website, and I was wondering if Squarespace could help me with it. Almost certainly. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, that's all I had to say. <laughs> oh, but Dan is getting up and leaving, so I guess I'll talk longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, just... so I had an idea for a website. So here's the thing. Everyone knows about Little Italy's. They're the parts of big cities where a lot of people of Italian descent are, and it's like a Little Italy. But I want to find the Italiest corner of Little Italy. So I have a new uh-huh. website. It's called www.littleitalyfinder.com. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find Little Little Italy, the uh-huh. corner of Little Italy that's even more Italian than the rest of Little Italy. I call it Little Little Italy. It might be the back room of a restaurant. It might uh-huh. be a corner of a pork store. It might uh-huh. be just like the shower in an old lady's apartment. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's littleittalyfinder.com. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it so it relies really on user reports of how much Italy they find uh-huh. in a part of a little Italy. And with the one that gets the most ratings, that becomes the little, little Italy. So there's kind of like a, a Pokemon Go, also like competitive game aspect to it because people have to make their case. Why is this the most Italian part of little Italy? Why is this the little, yeah. little Italy? And kind of yeah. like Pokemon Go, it gets people out moving around and walking. Oh, which is so needed these days. We spend so much of our life sitting down at work or at our computer or looking at our phones. Now we can walk around looking at our phones. Well, yep. we kind of try. And I imagine eventually you'll have so much data that you can use your phone like a, a ghost meter in Ghostbusters. And uh-huh. you just wave it around and it picks up on the levels of Italian in Little yep. Italy until you find Little Little Italy. So that's littlelittleitalyfinder.com, your source for both finding and reporting on the most Italian parts. Uh, no other sponsors this week. Uh, if you want to uh, get up on the Jumbotron, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, mention our live show in, wait a minute, where is it? Hold on, oh no, Toronto. In On April 18th at 8 p.m., we're going to be in Toronto. That's right. The site of the movie Little Italy that we were and just I think talking about. I think the theater is in Little Italy in oh, Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh-oh. Guys, forget, I, forget what I said. It's a great movie, and I love it, and everything about that neighborhood is great. Uh-oh, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. We're going to be at the Royal Cinema. It's part of the What the Film Festival. That's April 18th at 8 p.m. We haven't chosen the movie for it yet. It's probably going to be a lesser-known, not-quite-as-big-budge movie as we usually do for live yeah. shows, but it'll be fun. Come and on, quite guys. possibly Canadian from uh, the choices we've been looking at so far. I also want to say, if you go to flophousepodcast.com, there will be a link to where you buy tickets, both on the show page for this episode and under events. So, 
it would be very hard for you not to find the link. I mean, you're probably there already. And that's April 18th at 8 p.m. in Toronto at the Royal Cinema as part of the What the Film Festival. Go to flophousepodcast.com or flophousepodcast.com slash events. Cool. Uh, anything else, or should we move on to letters? Let's just, uh, let's... Oh, I'll let you know that uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will be, I think, a day until the release of the first episode of iPodius. That's right. The long-awaited Elliot Kalin-John Hodgman collaborative podcast, where together uh-huh. we watch and talk about the 1974 British miniseries, or 1976? I can't remember. British miniseries I, Claudius, based on the novels by Robert Graves. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a, Oh, I thought it was about going to the bathroom. <laughs> a lot of people think that. A lot. It's pod P-O-D and not P-O-T-T-Y. Oh, because you pronounce it like P-O-T-T-Y. Sorry, mm-hmm. iPod-E-S. Okay, thank you. Is the name of the show. It's a 13-episode podcast miniseries, uh, and I think it's going to be come out really great. I'm excited mm-hmm. by what I've heard of it so far, and I think you, the listener, will like it a lot. From Maximum Fun, that's right, ipod February 17th, the first yep. episode, enters the world. Enjoy that from Elliot Kalin and a man who once threw a shoe at Elliot Kalin. <laughs> I've, yeah. uh, early reviews say that it's too hot for TV. Is that true, Elliot? Uh, I mean, it's both too hot for TV and also has no visual component. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes it a difficult sale for TV. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get you into You don't think letters. just watching like a blank screen okay. would be... <laughs> let's get into letters, and this one goes like this. Hey, Flops... <laughs> I just finished the Audible version of Dune and loved it. Mm-hmm. But when trying to get my partner into it, they turned me down. I have to assume uh- it was read by Tom Brokaw. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 1. Paul Atreides, heir to the House of Atreides, put his hand in the gum jabbar. <laughs> okay. So- <laughs> that's, the first, that's the first line of Dune, right? Yeah. Yep. When, when trying to get my partner into it, they turned me down. Often do, do, shuddering. Do you guys ever do, wait, Dan? I hate to interrupt. Oh, do you God. guys ever hear Tom Brokaw's? Do you hate to interrupt? Yes, I do. <laughs> I, he read. Uh, he read Moby Dick, and it went like this. Uh-huh. Chapter one. Uh-huh. Call me Paul Atreides. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He just loves Dune. That guy loves Dune. I mean, there is like before Call Me Ishmael. There is that uh, whole like four note to the. Did he read that or? Did he no, just he start? doesn't read that part. No, yeah, no. yeah. Okay. There was that other part where he's like. Like a, hu- a hump, like a shy halloed. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> God. Uh, There's also okay. Tom Brokaw reads the Bible. Genesis, chapter one. In the beginning, there was Paul Atreides. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, uh, going back. So skipping backwards a little bit. When trying to get my partner into it, they turn me down. Often shuddering at words like Quizetch Hadrak. You pronounce it totally right. Or listen, Al Gaib. <laughs> I want to hear Dan McCoy read Dune now. <laughs> Say well, Sardukar now. How do we know how it's pronounced? <laughs> These are bullshit made up words. Dan, I could all be pronouncing it perfectly right. You're not, though. I think that you have to imagine who? the characters from Dune, as they say them, are stumbling over them, just who? trying to sound it out. <laughs> how do we know what the canonical fucking. Like, we don't know. Frank Herbert isn't wandering around. He didn't do one of those YouTube things like, this is how you pronounce this goddamn word. I mean, anyway. one, we don't know that. Two, his son's alive. We could talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... What, do you think his son's a fucking expert? <laughs> we, we saw what Tolkien's son did later on. Anyway. Wow. Sorry to make you pronounce all that, Dan. When, when, when Tolkien's son put the word not at the end of the last book of The Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, anyway, so do you guys have any suggestions for getting people psyched about Dune? Also, what are your expectations slash anticipations for the upcoming movie from First Name Withheld Atreides? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's probably Duke Leto. I'll let you guys. Yeah, it's probably uh, Duke Leto. <laughs> I'll let you guys feel this one because I read Dune and I'm like, my reaction was, eh, this is fine. So, you guys, as the Dune fanatics, well, uh, we're called Dunesberries. Say- Big Dune fans are called Dunesberries. Um, I would say that part of the uh, I I feel like one of the the closer uh, like I don't know it, Dune reminds me a lot of uh, the Game of Thrones series. So if uh, if if your partner is a fan of the Song of Ice and Fire books uh, or I guess the show, uh, the I feel like Dune has a has, was clearly an influence on George R. R. Martin and. The way I was able to convince my partner to uh, listen, or well, to I always knew that I wanted Charlene to uh, read those books, but I knew there was no way she was just going to sit down and read those books. So, with uh, with Song of Ice and Fire, I read them out loud to her, and it took like five years, and I would get a couple pages, and then she would fall asleep, but. Uh, <laughs> But she loves them, and I got to do voices for all the characters. It was great, um, and uh, it also uh, it also like inspired her to listen to a lot more books on tape. And now she listens to a ton of books on tape. So that's what I would suggest. I was actually going to say something very similar because I have two strategies here. Number one, so my wife and I we were on a trip once, and I frequently usually my wife and I have a book that I'm reading aloud to her in you know in chunks or chapters. Uh, over time, and we had forgotten the one we brought with us, and I was rereading Dune at the time, so she was like, all right, fine, like, start reading that to me, thinking she would also fall asleep, but she really got into the story, because the writing in Dune, in the first book especially, is like, you know, it's it's wonderfully written, like, it really pulls you into that world, uh, mm-hmm. so I think, like, set it up where you're away from home, you forgot <clears throat> any other books, that's the yep. only book available, and okay. read Dune, or mm-hmm. here's my second strategy. This may turn out to be one of those things that you like and your partner is just not that into. And that's yeah. okay. It's yeah. okay for you to not share everything with them. There's plenty of things that my wife and I share an interest in, plenty of things we don't share an interest in, and that's totally okay. So, like, I would say don't spend too much of your life trying to push this on your partner. If they don't want it, that's totally cool. My expectations for the movie, I think it's going to look beautiful, and I think it's probably not going to make that much sense plot-wise. What do you think, Stuart? Oh, I hope it's. Uh, I mean, based on the the creative team, I'm guessing it's going to be long, and uh, like contemplative, uh, and there's going to be some sick ass synths in the soundtrack. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, all I have to say about this is I just want to second what Elliot says. Um, you know, if you want to get someone into something, you think they might like it. Say, I think you might like this. Give them the opportunity to partake in it, and if they're not interested, back off. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean your partner's life is not gonna be probably not gonna be changed immeasurably by whether they read Dune or not. If it is changed immeasurably, then that partner may not be the one you ultimately want to be with because like do you suddenly want your whole life to be about Dune? I don't know about that. Uh this next letter is from Lawrence Last Name Withheld. Mm-hmm. Who writes Lawrence Fishburn. Wow. Uh, uh Lawrence Fishburn right <laughs> writes Sup nerds. Recently I donated my Sounds kidney like to a stranger. Right before the surgery, I watched the first half of Venom. Right after the surgery, <laughs> I finished it off. So I, I, that takes such faith 
either that you are going to make it through the surgery and finally find out what happens to Venom, or that you, you're like, you know what, what's a movie that I'm not going to care if it ends or not in case I die during the surgery? Venom? Okay, sure, fine. There's also yeah. a feeling of like sometimes when you, when you sink your teeth into a really great story, you kind of don't want it to end, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the feeling I had in between the Peter Jackson films, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, was so much more excitement and like love of life in general than I felt after Return of the King, which I was just kind of sad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you had finished the quest? I had finished the quest. I had, I had reached Mount Doom on my own. I didn't need an eagle. That's kind of uh, how I felt when I, I read One Fish and Two Fish, and I saw that there were two more <laughs> fish left on the cover, and I was like, I don't know. I'm having such a good time. I don't know if I want to see what those... I want to not know what those fish are, but then I I tripped, and I, my eyes glanced down, and I saw it said Red Fish, Blue Fish, and I was like, oh, I have no more fish to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on back to the actual letter. Okay. Uh, a few weeks later, I wondered what the ending of Venom was like when I wasn't high on fentanyl. Mm-hmm. So I tried to rewatch it. I made it about 10 minutes in before the enormity of what I had done hit me, and I started crying and had to turn it off. I wasn't sad exactly. I just didn't know how to process the emotion that the movie provoked in me. So I have two questions. Number one. What absolutely terrible and stupid movies have your lives given you deep, strange emotional connections to? Number two, if you transplanted your organs into the bodies of strangers, what horrible urges and preferences would your parts force on the recipients? Yours in floppiness, Lawrence, last name withheld. Um, I want to say, like, this isn't a bad movie in any way. Uh, I actually think it's a pretty good movie, if a little standard but i watched the uh the beautiful day in the neighborhood and uh a lot of people criticize that movie because it's not so much about mr rogers mr rogers is kind of a supporting character and it's much more about the journalist talking to mr rogers but i cried through so much of that movie and but you were you were at the at alamo draft house's onion night yes mm-hmm. i was no, but I like I watched it with Audrey, and she was like, "It is fine," and I think that's because she's had to spend too much of her life dealing with, you know, emotionally stunted men. Whereas I responded to it deeply because I am an emotionally stunted man. Uh-huh. So I was like, "Okay, there's this thing. There's this movie about a man who's learning how to deal with his emotions, learning how to deal with them more healthily, has a lot of like repressed anger that he needs to let go of, and here's this man." showing him a different way like really like teaching him something important and i found it way more moving than maybe like you know maybe a very simple story arguably deserves yeah uh but i just found a a a big connection to it because i'm like oh i wish a manic pixie dream mr rogers would come into my life and uh and fix me yeah i mean i don't know if i would call say manic a calm pixie, Mister Rogers. <laughs> like a placid pixie, Mister Rogers. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, I mean, my my story is not uh, is not as deeply rooted in emotion, but uh, I remember when I was in a pretty bad car accident in high school, and uh, my already broken arm got rebroken, mm. and I was uh, bedridden for a little while. My my mom went and rented some horror movies for me to watch because she's a good fucking mom. 
and she knows her son, uh, and she rented <laughs> Body Parts, starring <laughs> Jeff Fahey, a story about a man who is in a horrible car accident and gets his arm torn off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, and then, uh, and then, I mean, like for a stupid movie that I have, uh, a stupid movie that's arguably hateful and hurtful that I have a strong relationship with. Uh, is a movie that I've just watched so many times as a kid, and I'm sure it uh, it stunted me emotionally, uh, is 16 Candles, uh, which uh, I feel like I had to do many, many years of deprogramming to get <laughs> out of my system. Elliot, what do you have to uh, say? I mean, I don't have anything as, uh, as deep as either of those stories. I was just going to say that uh, when I was a kid, my sister's favorite movie was Teen Wolf, so we watched it a lot, and so... Teen Wolf reminds me of like my very young childhood in a way that uh, not too many other movies do. So, and Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf is maybe the stupidest movie ever made. It's so yeah. stupid. It's, it's it's up there. It's up there. It's incredibly dumb. Uh, <laughs> Just and, the idea that like, oh, we've got this werewolf story. What should we do? Oh, let's turn it into a basketball movie. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's so. I mean, that's it's so that it's it's a basketball movie that no one is ever scared of a werewolf and. Uh, no. The message of the movie is kind of like, hey, life's a lot better when you're a werewolf, which is a crazy message for a movie. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's a very dumb movie, but uh, I have a sweet spot in my heart for it because I spent so much time with my sister watching it when we were growing uh, up. And as for donating body parts, first I want to say, you know, uh, what a great thing for you to do. Uh, thank, yeah. thank you. On behalf yeah, I really of the admire that. The, um, but, uh, you know, if any part of my body got transplanted into someone else, you know, probably an insatiable lust for butts, I guess. That's right. If you donated your corneas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd only see butts. Yeah. Uh, you guys. Oh man. Uh, yeah, this is a hard one. Yeah. Sometimes I hold back the sillier question just to see what you guys will do. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. the easy answer for me is like a hunger for Popeye's. Yeah. But the harder answer would be. Um, like a sort of um, like depressive self-loathing that no amount yeah. of of uh, career or family success can ever fully erase. So thank you for saving the silly question, Dan. Sure, Not giving yeah. me any time to think about it. Yeah, that's like uh, it's like <laughs> if I transplanted my uh, my hair onto somebody, they would be given this like sense of confidence mm-hmm. and uh, like a <laughs> carefree power. attitude of yeah, power. I think yeah. like like just raw. Power, yeah, and a I mean, deep, pretty a deep, great hair, and a deep need to own a jeweled Furby necklace, right? <laughs> oh, sir, certainly, <laughs> that would be how I would win. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a direct quote of the movie, right? <laughs> Let's move on to our. But final... you know what? You know what? That movie. I, there's a version of Uncut Gems where the studio got to it and made a lot of changes, and at the end, Adam Sandler has his arms around his family, and he goes, "I forgot, you guys are the real Uncut Gems." Uh, yeah, yeah, and instead of a Passover Seder, it's a like a Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, they're Christian now. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our final segment, which is recommendations of movies that we liked that you might want to see, I don't know, in addition to this movie, if you decide to see Hell Little yeah. Italy. But, um... Hey, guys, it's time for us to tell about some movies, a different kind of movie than the movie we were telling about before. These are movies that we like, movies watching on a bike, movies, maybe your name's Mike, they're movies that we like. Hey, movies, we love you sometimes, but sometimes we don't, 
and we talk about you on the Flophouse. But then there's that last 5 to 10% of the show where we talk about movies we like. That's right. They're movies we could watch all night. Oh yeah, black and white, or sometimes in color too, maybe in 3D for you. They're movies that we like, and we're telling you to watch them tonight. Wow. Uh, Mixing up when the song comes in the the episode. Just trying to keep you on your toes. I don't care for it. um, So Dan, you're a big movie freak. What do you got on the (laughs) the hot plate? Dan, you're kind of the movie buff of the the Flophouse. I... Yesterday went and saw the uh, I saw Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, normally I might go for something smaller, but uh, unfortunately this movie is not doing well at the box office. So I want to you know throw what tiny tiny weight I have behind it. Um, yes, Dan, we can see you lost weight. Mm-hmm. Thank we you. We get it. You have a tiny weight now. <laughs> um, but. Uh, no, I, I think we were all pretty much in agreement that while Suicide Squad sucked, uh, Margot Robbie was one of the bright points in it, and she does a really great job. Basically, aside from all the jokes they made her say, she said them with quite a bit of vim and vigor. But... Yeah, well, the I mean, this is a much better version of, <laughs> yeah. of that character and a better movie that she's in. She does say, Dan, she does say, Talk about a killer app after a guy's head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing that dumb in this movie. Uh, I think it's a, a it's a harder acting job than like it might seem at first because she has to be like very funny. She has to have these sort of outsized cartoonish reactions to things, but she also brings a weird human grounding to it mm-hmm. and she's doing all those things at the same time and she's the constant source of energy in that movie. I will say it was sort of surprising to me like for a movie that's whose title starts out with Birds of Prey. It is definitely a Harley Quinn movie with special guests, Birds of Prey. Okay, um, but it's you know it's fun. It's candy colored. Uh, Ewan McGregor is very funny in it as the bad guy. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is terrific in it. I always like her. I wish there was more of her in the movie. And uh, how much how much zazz is in it? There's a lot of zazz. Cool. Also, for a DC movie, the action is pretty comprehensible and creative, and it's all well choreographed. So, and it's you said it's bright, which is nice. Yeah, it's a, like a candy-colored movie, directed by and written by a woman, and produced by Margot Robbie. So, like that's nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're in the mood for a big silly action movie, cool. you do a lot worse. Anyone else? <clears throat> Well, it's uh, it's award season, so uh, of course well, I've been. See where this is going. I've been. I mean, uh, it's awards we're, we're recording this on the day of the Academy Awards. So we're by the time recording the this comes on out, the day of the award Academy season will be over. <laughs> so I've been catching up on on movies, you know, that are going to be talked about uh, in the you know the current cultural zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. So of course I'm going to recommend a movie called Tammy and the T Rex, the new R-rated cut. Uh, it's available on Shutter. Uh, this features a very young Denise Richards and a very young Paul Walker about a young teenager who uh, gets his brain uh, transplanted into a robot dinosaur's body. I think it's a robot. It's tough. It's tough to tell exactly what's going on. Yeah, but it's, it's like an animatronic. I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's very gory. It's very silly. Uh, it when the movie begins, uh, you get a title card that calls the movie Tanny 
and the Teenage T Rex, which Good. is not the name of the movie that I decided to watch. Uh, I love when that happens. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you get a chance, it's like, and it's directed by the director of Mac and Me, uh, and it's it's significantly more fun than that. Uh, it's just such a goofy fucking movie. Oh, if you're looking for like a solid, good-ass, good-bad movie, I highly recommend it. I haven't watched it yet, but I got an email from Shudder telling me that it was <laughs> yeah, available. Yeah, it's like, Dan, 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 <laughs> drop was, what you're doing, idiot. I was so fucking excited when I got that email. I'm like, yes! And you replied, yes! <laughs> and then it said, no reply. <laughs> the mailer said, demon. <laughs> mailer, that now there's a mailer demon that's haunting you. <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Elliot? So uh, I have a, a a recommendation that comes with a correction from my our last full episode. Uh, uh-huh. We were talking about 80s movies, and I mentioned Howard's End. Howard's End is a 1992 movie. And you know what movie I watched recently for the first time? Howard's End. That's right. Okay. I was on, I've never seen it before. It was on Netflix. I decided to throw it on. And it's the kind of movie that when I was younger, I was like, ugh, I don't need to see one of these like slow costume dramas. But watching it, I was like, oh, this is a really good, entertaining movie. The movie moves at a fast clip, and it's a movie that jumps time in unexpected ways so that you kind of have to keep up with it. Uh, And, yeah, it's a costume drama, but there's also some funny parts, and the actors are amazing in it, and I really liked it a lot. There's one kind of, not action-y, but the the closest thing the movie has to an action climax, the scene is not really put together that great. But otherwise, uh, I thought it was really good, and I really liked it a lot. So I'm going to recommend Howard's End. The, uh... A lot of if, those... if I was going to watch it, but I didn't have a lot of time, would it be weird if I just fast forward to the end? <laughs> I mean, it would be because you wouldn't know what was going on. And <laughs> but I just want to see what the title means. Yeah, the Howard's End. I mean, no, no, but you know it from the beginning. Howard's End is the name of a house. <laughs> it's it's the story of a, what? Uh, it's the story of a a wealthy family that owns a country house called Howard's End, uh, and the relationship that pops up first between the mother of that family and mm-hmm. a kind of. Uh, what they would call at the time a new woman. You know, this takes place at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, mm-hmm. These these two sisters, played by Emma Thompson and Helena Bonham Carter, who are very, like, free-thinking and liberal, and the relationship that pops up first between Emma Thompson and the mother of that family, and then with the father of that family, played by Anthony Hopkins, and also Helena Bonham Carter's increasing entanglement with a uh, lower-class man who she wants to help, but who increasingly does not deserve her help. Bum, bum, bum. But all the characters in it are, like, characters there's no like yeah except for actually that's not true there's uh anthony hopkins son in it is basically uh eric trump but otherwise they there's no like bad guys they're just people with uh you know different conflicting emotions i would like to say that a lot of the movies that these films inspired (laughs) let's call them 90s miramax movies uh, were like these sort of staid costume, like middle brow things that uh are not so great. But the Merchant Ivory movies are all pretty good. Like, yeah, I mean, they know there there are times in this where they're working with, especially for a a movie that is mostly a, a domestic movie. It's like yeah. there's not a lot of spaceships. You know, they're working with a wide frame in it and a big screen, and they this the way they use that screen is beautiful. Like they, it's the the screenplay is great. The way the movie looks amazing. And not just like, oh, the costumes look pretty, but like the way they use the frame is really fantastic. And the story had me hooked. Mm-hmm. So that's my recommendation, Hook, starring Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, let's just end this thing, right? And, uh, and Bob Hoskins is in that, too. 
Uh, yes, technically, but we don't like to talk about him in our house. <laughs> Robert Hoskins. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> oh, you mean Robert Hoskins? I don't know him well enough to call him Bob. <laughs> and uh, and Julia Roberts is in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, barely. She has a very Ju- small role. Julia Roberts. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Emma Roberts' aunt. So anyway. um. Oh, actually, and I want to mention... Uh, uh, also, Howard's End is your chance to see Prunella Scales, uh, the wife from Faulty Towers, in a rare, much slightly more dramatic role. Oh, nice. Okay, guys. Um, hey. Hey, yep. why don't you listen to... <laughs> hey, what? Some other Max Fun podcasts. Please uh, do. From our, our network. There's a new one out uh, called Fanty. Uh-huh. It's about sort of uh, things in pop culture that might be... A little problematic and having kind of a more nuanced conversation about them than maybe one normally sees online. And uh, I listened to some of it this morning. I didn't have enough time to listen to all, but it's very charming. The hosts are uh, very good. And It's about like problematic faves, yeah. Well, I think that that simplifies it a little yeah. bit. I don't know how they would like to define it. I just think, you know, if you have any interest in, you know, a small, a smart cultural podcast, check it out. Yeah. Um, and go to iTunes and review us. Uh, hopefully, well, you know, don't don't go there to shit on us. Why why do mm-hmm. that? Don't be like the woman who used Yelp to complain about my bar's bartenders because they wouldn't let her friend bring in an outside drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. We'll yeah. let you bring in an outside drink though here at the Flophouse. Yeah, house. anytime you want. The Flophouse, uh, you can bring any drink into it. So yeah, uh, listen to other Max Fun podcasts. Talk about us on iTunes. Uh, tweet about us. Instagram about us. Tell people about us. Write pigeon messages about us. If you have something good about us to say, just stuff it in a bottle. Throw that bottle in the ocean. Hopefully, it'll reach somebody someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, take our ashes and shoot them into space so that aliens learn what? about the Flophouse. But uh, <laughs> when? <laughs> yep. Well, we're dead. I hope. Uh, no, uh, we won't be able to do the podcast after that. So now, okay. while we're doing, while we're alive, uh, our we are, this show is uh, edited by Jordan Cowling. Uh, it is produced by what Dan McCoy. Mm-hmm. I'd say Dan and Jordan. Let's okay. You know, I'd say co-producers at this point. Co-producers Dan McCoy and Jordan Cowling, and uh, stay tuned for more Flophouse in the future. See ya. Bye. I don't know the rest of the song, so I guess I'll just repeat the thing that I said. And I was like, hmm, the force is strong with this one. Yep. Yep. You said that like Darth Vader said about, uh, about Luke Skywalker, because you're his dad. Right? Uh, Wait, what? Okay. Yeah, you're, so... you're Sammy's dad. I'm sorry to break this to you. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.